0: We'll start. On, we'll start with something new. Okay. Now let's go to chapter eight. Now the sum. The, these are things of the sum. We have such a high priest who sat in the throne of majesty of heaven, a minister of the sanctuary, the true tabernacle which God pitched and not man. For every priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, whereas it is of necessity that this man have something also to offer. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, which serve as an example of the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, for see, said he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown on thee in the mount. Did you ever ask yourself, What did Moses do for 40 days up on the top of the mountain? I mean, how long does it take to write the Ten Commandments? Certainly doesn't take 40 days. (coughs) What was he doing up there? Well, among other things, he was getting the pattern of the tabernacle. Now, did he know, I don't think he did, but uh, that this is a model on earth of the true tabernacle in heaven? Whether he did or not, God did. And he said, make sure that you make it exactly like I tell you. Don't compromise. Don't make this and that. uh, Make it different. This is what I want you to do because this is a model of what is going to happen in heaven. Okay? So that's what he's talking about first. And he is going to be working there. He is a minister. He said also, of course, uh, in verse 4, If he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. Why? Because he's from the family of Levi. I'm sorry, from Judah, not Levi. Now he goes on to say, but now he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more also he is the mediator of a better covenant established by better promises. Okay, so he's going to talk about the covenant. And we'll find that they use the word covenant, and sometimes they use the word testament. Same word, but different, uh, different emphasis. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then there would be no place sought for the second. For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them from the hand to leave them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued not in my covenant, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Now, what is the old covenant? It's basically the Ten Commandments and all the law, okay? And he, what did the people do? I mean, first of all, he warned the people about this covenant before he even started. He said, "Okay, Moses, he said, uh, tell the people they've got to make themselves um, set apart, sanctified, don't come to their wives, wash your clothes, do this, do that, Uh, he said, and come to the mount. But he said, don't go on the mount because if you go on the mount, if anyone goes on the mount, you've got to kill them. Even if an animal walks on the mount, you've got to kill it. Okay? Well, that should tell you that this mount is a little bit dangerous. (laughs) And, uh, then when he comes down, he comes down with smoke and fire and stuff pouring up, and the people are shaking like this. And Moses said, he said, I was afraid. And then Moses goes up. Okay, so the people were warned that this, is, this God is not a God to mess around with. And then he brings back the Ten Commandments and reads the Ten Commandments. Who in here feels they can hold the Ten Commandments? who in here feels they can hold one of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and the Bible says if you break one, it's like breaking all. Okay. So what should the people have done? Said, no, 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 God, you've got to do something else because we can't hold those holy commandments. But they didn't say that. They said all that God has said, he said a great will do it. Well, the governor, they were right in the sense that it was all good, but they were wrong in the fact that they couldn't hold it. Okay. so now, when they go uh, when they go in the wilderness, as we've talked about, they break the covenant, break the covenant, break the covenant. <clears throat> At one point, God told them told they'd counted up ten times so far. And so he said, I regarded them not. I put them aside. For he said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of the Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put the law in their mind, and I will write it in their hearts, and I will be them to a God, and they shall be to me a people." And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their, what? Verse 12, I will be merciful to their, what? Unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities will I, what? Remember no more. Okay. Now I'm going to put a little mark in here, on mine, so I can find it again. Uh, and I'm going to go back to the Book of Jeremiah. You can join me there, chapter 31, verse 31. Okay. Kind of easy to remember, you know, 31:31. 31, 31. Okay. And what do we find there? Behold the days shall co- the days come saith the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt which my covenant they break they broke although I was a husband unto them saith the Lord but this shall be the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write that in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities, and I will remember their sin." No more. Okay? So this is the covenant they're talking about. Okay? You can see basically, re, basically, basically re, re quotes Jeremiah at this point in time. So let's go on then. Verse 13. And in that he said a new covenant, he maketh the first covenant old. So now, are we under the old law? The Ten Commandments and so forth? Are we under that covenant anymore? No. Praise God. Now, is the covenant good? No. <clears throat> yeah, the covenant is good. Nothing wrong with the covenant. What's wrong is our sin nature. That's where the problem lies. So we can't keep it. Uh, and as Paul says in, uh, in Romans, the covenant, the, uh, the wet, the law is good, but I am sold under sin. Okay, now let's go on and look in chapter 9. Then verily the first covenant and also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. And now he's going to go back and he's going to talk about the Old Testament system. And this is one of the reasons we believe this was written before the destruction of the temple. Because there's no mention, this would be a perfect place where the oldest waxed and ready to vanish away. That would be a perfect place to say, and that's why they destroyed the temple that I let it happen. But he didn't say that. So I personally think this is a good reason to say that uh, uh, this Hebrews was written probably sometime in the 60s, mid-60s, later 60s, uh, about 30 years after Christ's death. Okay? If verily the first covenant had been also a covenant of divine service and a worldly tabernacle, Where the tabernacle was made, first there was a, okay, now we're going to look at the holy place where there was a candlestick. Candlestick was uh, on the left side, as I recall, looking east. And the table, okay, with the showbread, that's on the other side, which is called the sanctuary. And now something is interesting here, and the... After the holy veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holy, holiest of all. That's the holy of holies, we call it in English often. And there is the veil that's separating them. By the way, the veil is supposedly so heavy, heavy it took about 300 men to lift it up. It was a very thick uh, veil separating the holy place and the holy of holies. Okay. Which had the golden censer, the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid with gold. Okay. So the Ark of Covenant is there. Wherein was the golden pot with manna. Remember reading about that in the Old Testament. God says to Moses, take take some manna, put it in a pot, and stick it in the Ark. And presumably, you would think it probably didn't spoil. And Aaron's rod that was budded, remember, I think it's in in Numbers 18, where there's this big fight as to which of the people is the true high priest and Aaron's rod budded, and none of the others, and God said, take Aaron's rod and put, put it there to remember this, and the tables of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, which were written by the finger of God. First he cut the, the stone and wrote it on. Uh, Moses broke that, at the um, broke them up uh, when they saw the golden calf, and so God said, cut another. So he cut it, but God wrote it, on there. So those are there. Now there's something interesting and I if you look at verse 4 it talks about the golden censer and in reality the golden censer, I am a terrible artist, but normally okay you have the holy of holies and you've got the Ark of the Covenant here and the rod, and inside here you've got the pot of manna, and you've got the 10th you you've got the two plates of the Ten Commandments, or their front and back, or whatever. And then, in reality, you have the table of incense here, and then you have the candlestick and the showbread, and then out here you have the labor and you have the altar. And so the priest comes makes the offering cleans himself then is able to walk in uh, but this is where they make the uh, offering they put some incense on it and it makes a smoke for example when Zechariah saw the angel uh, Zechariah was doing this and the angel was uh, to his right I'm not sure if it was right looking this way or that way but anyway, but here it says that the this is actually inside and I don't understand that um, at least one of the commentators said, well, in reality, once this was torn at the death of Christ, the smoke and so forth was able to go directly in. I don't know. But at any rate, it's interesting to me to see that the golden censer, that is the place where you make incense, is actually listed here uh, as um, inside the Holy of Holies. And over at the cherubim of they're sitting at these at the ends here, looking down, uh, looking through the blood at the at the law. Okay, that's why when you flipped it up, you could look directly at the law without the blood. And fifty thousand seven hundred people died at Beth Shemesh, Okay, Old Testament. That's uh, when it came back from the Philistines. Okay. Okay. So he goes on and says now when these things were ordained the priests always went into the first tabernacle accomplishing the service of God. So that's coming in here, lighting the candles, setting the, the, uh, to- uh, the bread here and uh, making, uh, putting offerings here and I understand that there were so many priests that the chance for you offering this came once in a lifetime one time Zechariah, that's probably the only time Zechariah was ever able to offer incense. Pretty, pretty impressive. It goes on to say, but to the second went the high priest alone. Okay, he's the only one who can go back here. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of his people. When the high priest goes back here, the day of atonement, first thing he does is he kills a bullock and he goes in, and he takes this the smoke from here, and fills the place with smoke, so you hardly see. And then he takes that blood of the bullock, and he puts it on top of the he puts it on top of this uh, plate here, where the angels are looking down on it. And that is for his sin. And then he kill, takes the goats, throws the the dice, one goat he confesses the sin and they take him way away and the other he slaughters and then he puts that blood here and then they take the body of they take the body of the bullock which he slaughtered out here they burn a little bit of the fat and the body is taken outside the camp to a clean place and then later on uh, when he does the same thing with the goat they burn some of the fat there, and then they take that body and burn it outside in a clean place. And by the way, that is why uh, Jesus died outside Jerusalem, outside the camp, okay? And if you're, um, if you're in the Moravians, in fact, they have, they have a sign to say that, uh, the, the lamb who conquers, he said, let us go, let us go out to him. And the Moravians actually quote that in their services. Okay. So it says here, then the second went the high priest alone how many times? Verse 7? Once. How often? Every Once every year. Okay. Not without blood, which he offered for himself. Why? He's a sinner. That's why. And for the errors of his people. That's the goat. The Holy Ghost thus sanctifying that the way to the holiest was not yet manifest while the first tabernacle was standing. So what he's saying then, as long as this system existed, you could not go into the Holy of Holies. You could not go directly into the faith. There's, you, there is a priest who is interceding for you, but there is a priest between you and God. But what are we? Are we not priests? Can we not go directly to God? And that's very important. Which was a figure, a type, of the time then present, in which were offered gifts and sacrifices, which could, notice this, which could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So, was the high priest ever made perfect? Verse verse 9, the end, which could not make him who did the service, the high priest, perfect. No, he was not perfect. Which only stood in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal offices opposed upon them at the time of Reformation. So I'm talking about, this is about all the offering system, system, system that they had. And they put, uh, you know, that meat means food. So it's talking about the grain offering, all the other offerings, all the drink offerings and all that stuff. But Christ became... a being come a high priest of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands not this building okay he's going into the tabernacle in heaven neither by the go- blood of goats and calves but by what verse 12 what's he taking into the tabernacle his own blood, his own blood. he entered how many times once, once into the ho- Holy Temple, having obtained... What did he do that one time he entered in? He obtained what? Eternal redemption redemption for us. So that's permanent. It doesn't have to be done twice. For the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled the unclean were sanctified or set apart, the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, through the eternal Spirit, offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. So in the Old Testament, okay, you had bulls and goats and uh, also uh, the uh, doves and so forth, that they made as offerings. And the and it talks about the ashes of a heifer. Now, that is found in in Numbers 19, and what happens is they had the red heifer. You probably remember reading about that where they killed a red heifer and burned the red heifer with some hyssop and some other stuff and took the ashes and sprinkled that on top of people who were unclean, like if I was a... Uh, I was a Jew and I touched a dead body I'm unclean they take me sprinkle me put them on ashes and sprinkle water on me back uh, I think on the third day seventh day sprinkle it back then I can come back into good places so he said if that worked for that how much more the blood of Christ will cleanse me he is offered through the verse 14 what spirit who through the eternal spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Uh, again, uh, this, uh, these little things come out, but this is again one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit is God. How long is he? Eternal. Okay? Offered himself without spot. He's sinless. For that reason, we should be purged from, that is, cleansed totally from, uh, in our conscience, from dead works, so we're not be- basing our salvation on works, but we can now serve the living God. And for this cause he is the mediator mediator of a new testament, that by means of his death, but for the redemption of the transgression that were under the first testament, they which are called might receive the promise of an eternal inheritance. Okay, now testament is another word for will, okay? It's an agreement, but it's a will, okay? I, I, I have a will. I hope that uh, all married guys have a will. Have yep, will, yeah. Shame, shame, shame. <laughs> this is the most important class you've been in since you come. Okay, but what happens? Okay, if I should die, what I have goes to my wife. That's why she says, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, if you don't do that, by the way, the government will decide what happens to your what, what happens to your, your goods? Okay. As long as I'm alive, everything doesn't go to her, right? What happens, what has to happen to me before that testament is in effect? I have to die. Before I die, it's a piece of paper that's sitting there. Now, this is what it's talking about. Okay. So he is a mediator of a new... Will you can say in New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Test- Testament, okay, including all the Old Testament saints who were really truly saved, are you following me, okay, they which are called might receive the promise of an inheritance. But I can assure you that the inheritance that I have uh, that on, on a piece of paper is not an eternal inheritance. But what God gives you is. Okay? Forever in heaven. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator, the person who wrote it. For a testament is of of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength while the testator liveth. So Jesus said, This is the new testament in my blood. Okay? When did he say that? The night before what happened? He was crucified. uh, Whereupon neither the First Testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept of the people according to the law, he took blood of calves and goats and water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the the book and the people, saying, This is the blood of the Testament which God has enjoined unto you. And moreover, he sprinkled with blood the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. So I thought that was kind of strange, and I'm not sure I'd have wanted to stay there. And, you know, he's flinging blood on, to- on top of me and everybody else. But that's what he did, okay? And he did it on top of the uh, the ta- old te- the tabernacle, the people, the book, everything. <coughs> so verse 22, And almost all things are by the law purged or cleansed, cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is what? No remission. And that's where that comes from. Hebrews 9.22, in this context. So you use that for salvation presentation. <laughs> I do it quite often. Uh, this is where it's from. It was therefore necessary that the pattern in heavens should be purified by these, but heavenly the heavenly things themselves by better sacrifices. So what he's saying, the pattern... The thing that he made on earth that looks like the thing in heaven, we cleanse that with blood. But the thing in heaven has to be cleansed by better offerings than blood of goats and sheep. And so he goes in and says, For Christ is not entered in the holy place made with hands. He didn't come into, he didn't come into the place down on earth. He, didn't, he went into the temple, but he never went into the holy place. He wasn't a priest. See? which are a figure of the two, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet should he offer himself often. Another reason the mass is false. As the high priest enters, the holy priest every year with the blood of others. For then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, what does it say in verse 26, once at, in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice himself as it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and to them that look for him he shall appear a second time without sin unto salvation so I hope the hope this is becoming clear that all that Old Testament stuff now we're seeing uh, that You wonder why, what about, what is this thing? What is this Leviticus stuff and all these offerings and so forth? The high priest and the priests are showing us what Jesus is like and what the work he did, and the whole thing is a model. For the law, having, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, isn't the real thing, can never, with those sacrifices which are offered year for year, continually, for their comers thereunto perfect. It couldn't make you mature. For then they would have ceased to have been offered. Because then the worshippers once purged would have had no more conscience of sin. If it had really worked, then you only have to do it, and then you wouldn't have to keep doing it, and doing it, and doing it, and doing it. But those sacrifices there were a remembrance made of the sin every year. And so the sacrifices that you're a sinner, you need redemption. You're a sinner, you need redemption. You need a sacrifice. For it is not possible that the blood of goats, bulls and goats, should take away sin. When I was in Suriname and I would explain this, and they would use a chicken, I would say one th- I would say to them, can the blood of a chicken take away sin? No! And they always said no. I mean, they didn't need any special, special thing. And the same thing, the answer is true for, for cows <laughs> and sheep and goats and name her, you know, you can name her up. <coughs> Okay. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice uh, an offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast no pleasure. It was not to give God pleasure, in the ultimate sense, but to show us what we needed to do. Then he said, Lo! I come, and the volume of the book is written to me, to do thy will, O God. And when he said, sacrifice and offerings, and burn offerings and offering for sin, you wouldest not, neither have pleasure therein, which were offered. Then he said, replace that, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. And he taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. And of course, this uh, was very clearly stated in Gethsemane. If I can avoid this cup, but thy will must be done. Okay, now I'm at verse 10 by the which we are sanctified, sanctified rather by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ what verse 10 once for all it, that is why he hollered it is finished not I am finished but it is finished the work every priest what does it say in verse 11 every priest what every priest, what? Standeth. Standeth, Okay? No stools stools in the tabernacle. No seats. Okay? Daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice. I've done this so many times, he says. But this man, after he had offered what? One sacrifice for sins. How long? Forever. What did he do? He sat down at the right hand of God. Why? He's done. It is finished. For henceforth expecting till his enemies made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever those that are sanctified. And by the way, if you ever had an argument with a Roman Catholic, especially a Roman Catholic priest, I would take them to the section of the end of chapter 9 and have them read chap- the end of chapter 9 and the first part of chapter 10 of Hebrews they want to think about the Mass. The Mass is totally wrong. It is heretical. It is anathema. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us, for after he has said before, this is the covenant that I will make with him after those days, saith the Lord. I will put the law in their hearts. Remember, we looked at that just a few minutes ago. In their minds I will write them, and their sins and iniquities I will remember What? No No more. Okay? Now where the remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Praise God. It's done. Okay, now, that is the end of the doctrine. Okay? It's been doctrine, 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 until now. Okay, now we begin to get into the practical section for the last bit of Hebrews. Okay? What's the first thing we would do? therefore brethren uh, having boldness to enter into the what Holiness. holiness, we can go into that holy of holies now how through the same offering that Jesus did what through the blood of Christ that's why they said he is the forerunner he took the anchor of our soul and put it right in here where we know that we can of your boat sail in there so now we can have fellowship with god and we don't have to go through a priest another priest okay because our high priest has done that for us that's why you can say we sit down with him in heavenly places ephesians chapter four uh, chapter two verse six okay by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through his through the veil that is the flesh and so jesus you could say instead of this veil which was built by people. The veil was Jesus, and as his flesh was ripped apart, the veil was ripped apart. As he said, it is finished. This was ripped into, you can go directly into God. I've been interested to see what happens to the priesthood. If the priest is out here, when Jesus died and said it was finished, and suddenly like a finger went and put this. I can picture those guys trying to quickly pull it together because we're going to die, you know, if we don't get this thing closed up in a hurry. At any rate, it would uh, be an interesting thing to have seen. Okay, by a new and, and living way, which he was crucified through his flesh, having a high priest over the house of God, now what should we do? We should draw near... With a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, so we are cleansed, body, soul, and spirit. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider to provoke one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the self uh, of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but a, a of exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so we need the church, we need the fellowship, we need to spend time uh, worshiping together. And by the way, that is a command. Now, warning. I think this is warning number four. And it is a serious warning. And these warnings I look at not to say that you are not, sh- uh, that you lose your salvation, but that you better look carefully, that you had it in the first place how many people have have you seen for example that bow their heads pray a prayer never show up in church never do anything or even come and get baptized and then they're gone you ever have that happen sure the question is were those people really saved and he's warning us be careful remember Paul said uh, under to seek, uh, search yourself, and Dutch, I keep thinking Dutch under uh, Suku Yussefi, search out if you are really, truly born again. Okay? So it's not to make someone scared, but at the same time it is to make someone realize that this is a serious business. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful-looking four of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. If someone uh, cursed their parents or committed murder uh, or uh, cursed God and they had witnesses, they would be dead. And in fact, if you think about Naboth, they set him up. They, Naboth, uh, the king wanted his, his uh, vineyard, and so they call him and they said, and Jezebel who knew the system well said, call him in, put him on high, and then have some false witnesses said, this man cussed God and the king. Okay, that's a uh, capital crime. And so they took him outside and stoned him, also his kids. And they got his, and then he got his uh, vineyard, and then he met Elijah. And Elijah told him, your blood will fall down just where Naboth's blood did. Okay. So if you despise Moses' law, died without mercy under two or three witnesses, of how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of God, I'm sorry, the foot, the foot, the son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and done despot, or despite unto the uh, Spirit of grace. For we know him that is, saith, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people." It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And these are hard to try and put together with eternal security. And I don't think God is trying to terrify us, but he is warning us, don't just think that because you bowed your head and prayed a prayer, that you're okay and you'll go to heaven. And I think if we do that and we don't really emphasize the necessity of personally receiving Jesus Christ, we may do the people a disservice. Did I, I think I told you last time about smallpox and cowpox. Didn't I do that? Yeah. It's the same thing. You're kind of, you can, if you're not, if you do this sloppily just to say, okay, we got another person that prayed, another person that prayed, uh, you may immunize them against this the real thing, and they think they're okay, and they've heard it before. Oh, I heard that before I did that when I was a kid. I mean, how many people in this area do you talk to that say, oh, I'm not saved, I've never heard that. No, I heard that when I was a kid, when I was was a Baptist church, when I was eight years old, I prayed. Haven't been back the last 20 years. Haven't done anything for God. So he's warning us, it's not that you're saved by works, but the question is, whether you really received Christ or not. Because if Jesus comes in, he changes you. And one of the things that we would ask when my wife, I remember uh, my um, kids were trained at Hiles Anderson, and professions were made. And... um, when after we started seeing what was going on, we'd ask, well, after you prayed this prayer, did your life change? And one of my kids said, you asked that? I said, of course, of course. And the one who asked is, uh, has no question now, and he's very careful about doing this, working in Hungary, very careful, uh, but, and there are people I believe are genuinely saved, but I think we have to be careful, especially in areas like this but call to remembrance the former days when you were illuminated and suffered great flight of, affi- fight of afflictions. So he said, now remember what you did in the past. And so he's talking back to us as believers. Kay? Partly whilst you were made a gazing stock, By reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions that were so used. So people looked at you, they laughed at you, they gave you a hard time. Sometimes it was because of your stand for the Lord, and sometimes it was just because you stood up and loved someone else that stood for the Lord. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds and you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourself that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. So he's, he's not really mad at them. He's just warning. He said, just be careful that you are truly, genuinely saved. Think back also at what you've done. And he said, I know you. You've helped me You've done this. He said, cast not away then your confidence, which hath great recompense for reward. And then we come to the important verse, for ye have need of patience, that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. And he said, and so he tells us, don't lose your rewards by giving up too fast. Uh, Remember reading about some guy who um, worked on a... uh, in a mine. And he worked it, worked it, worked it, worked it, worked it. Nothing happened. Finally, he decided, ah, this is worth, worthless. And so he sold it to someone else. And they went back and they started working, working, working. And within about six feet, they suddenly hit a, a vein of, I think it was either silver or gold. You know, he was very close, just stopped, sh- uh, uh, just a little bit too soon. So he says, keep on going. For yet little while, and he that will come, and he w- and will not terry now the just shall live by what verse 8 38 the the just shall live faith. by faith okay we find it three times in the new testament once in the old testament uh, habakkuk 2:4 in romans chapter 1 verse 17 the just shall be lived by faith it's the just shall live by faith and so he talks about what it means to be justified okay next three chapters in galatians chapter 3 verse 11 he said the just shall live by faith okay and that is emphasizing the life and then we find in verse and chapters 4 5 and 6 how to live the christian life here he says the just shall live by faith okay so this this third one is emphasizing faith so Romans emphasizes the first portion, the just shall live by faith. Galatians emphasizes the second word, the just shall live by faith. That's the way you're going to live. You're going to live by faith. And the third, the just shall live by faith. Okay? And guess what we find in chapter 11? The faith chapter. But if anyone draw back, my soul shall not have pleasure in him. For we are not of them that draw back into perdition, but them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I believe that some say that you could translate that word as faith is the foundation of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen, are not made by things that do appear. Okay, so how do we know that God created heaven and earth? By faith, faith. okay? Created ex nihilo, created out of nothing. By faith, Abraham offered to Isaac, uh, unto God, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by the which he obtained the witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, being dead, yet speaketh. And uh, Abel still speaks. And Cain also speaks. Cain is the salvation by works. Look what I've done for you, God. Abel is the salvation by sacrifice. God, I am a sinner. Please take this lamb uh, in in my place. And God says, I will do just that. Again, by faith. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So as we look at the Old Testament as then the faith chapter, we start off with the people before the flood and to the flood. Okay? So we talk, we talk about Abel. We talk about Enoch who went directly to heaven. Uh, One before the flood, Elijah after the flood, a picture of the rapture of the church, by the way. And uh, he lived rather short life for that time, only 365 years, Uh, as opposed to the others who lived about 900 years or so. For by faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe what? That he is, that he exists, and that he is a good God that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Okay? So we will stop at um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Next time, which is next Thursday, uh, we will uh, continue. Uh, What do you need to bring next time? Books, books, books. books. Some have asked, by the way, uh, a very good question dr patton if we had to buy three books how come we only have to read two well if you want to read three you can i'm happy to have you read three but i felt that's an awful lot to do for all the other stuff that you're going to have to do so i would be satisfied with if you read one of the two books and he and of uh, uh, peter and hold on to the other one as reference and resource for your future, because that's what we're supposed to do. And next time, I don't believe we have any more additions or, or fractions, uh, we'll talk briefly about uh, the Jude project, which I think will be helpful to you, and it will not be uh, a, uh, a lot of uh, time-consuming work, but I think it will be helpful if we do it the right way. So um, David, am going to ask if you would pray and send us on our way. Father, thank you for your word and for the way that you've made it to yourself. I pray, Father, that you continue to bless us and teach us from your word. Help us to be more like Christ. And Father, I pray for this day that you continue to keep your head upon us, continue to teach us, and we may grow. And Father, thank you for the patents teaching us. I pray that you continue to bless them and to give them wisdom and a service of your word. Father, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, we yeah.